0: Hey, family, this is William. So happy to be back with each and every one of you again for another edition of the Living Faith Bible Talk. Since the last time we've been together, God has been so good to us, and so we can't praise him enough for his goodness and his greatness in our lives. And if you haven't done so already, just take a moment to say thank you to, to the Lord. Lord, I thank you for blessing me. I thank you for covering me. I thank you for being my provider, my everything. I thank you for being my protector. And if you can get to the point of saying thank you, my friends, you are moving towards a closer relationship with the Lord because he is worthy of the praise, he is worthy of the honor, he is worthy of the glory. Even if you don't do it, the Bible says that there will be rocks that will cry out to give him praise and glory because he is that good and he is that worthy. So instead of having a dead rock who cannot mouth a praise on your behalf, it's better for you to say thank you, Lord, for what he's done for you and let the Lord hear your thanksgiving. Don't let anybody else give your testimony Don't let anybody else give your praise of thanksgiving. Give it for yourself and say, Lord, I thank you. Now, let's move into the word, because there's a lot going on in the word of the word of the Lord. And we've been teaching out of John uh, the teachings of Jesus. And one of the things that we've been covering recently uh, is the story about the man at the pool of Bethesda. We learned in this story that Jesus approached this man and asked him, did he want to be healed? And the man gave a bunch of excuses. And finally, Jesus challenged him to take up his bed and walk. And this man did. And I think this is a good place to pick up the next part of that story. Right. We talked a lot about no lay. We talked about building up your faith. We talked about uh, being in a bad environment where your faith is diminished. But what happens after you have a deliverance experience? What happens after you've been set free and been uh, delivered from whatever has kept you bound for so long? We find here that this man in John chapter 5 picked up his bed and started walking. And one of the things that we talked about in our previous sessions together was that this man's faith might have been diminished because he was living at the hospital for so long. And when you're around a bunch of people who have the same elements and weaknesses and issues that you have, you tend to take on their same issues, their same faith limitations, their same perspective about life. And that can create a bubble around you, which can limit your ability to see what God is doing in your life and limit your ability to see what God can do in your life so when you think about all of that and he has finally got healed after 38 years he's finally overcome the issues of his uh, physical limitations he picks up his bed and starts walking but then we learn uh, all this happened on a Sabbath and Lord knows uh, that can create some issues uh, in the Bible text but he was confronted by Jewish leaders and said why are you carrying a bed on Sabbath now this creates an interesting situation this is why i wanted to talk to all of you about the transition after deliverance you come out of a situation where you have been bound and limited for 38 years you've been struggling and all of a sudden you are set free and you think that you've broken free from those issues that have kept you bound you think you've broken free from those relationships that kept you bound and all of a sudden you're confronted by a new set of rules that you probably did not have to worry yourself with because you were in such a depressive state, physically, emotionally, mentally, economically. And now you're dealing with all this new stuff. Your first day of freedom, and now you're dealing with somebody telling you, you can't do that. You can't operate in your freedom. We can deduce a couple things from the text, right? We could probably assume that they might've been hating on him if they knew that he was actually lame for 38 years. We can deduce from the text that people considered rules and context of control above people's deliverance. But I think as you listen to this text and as you kind of digest the text here in John chapter 5, verse 10, it's important for you to kind of embrace the idea that even after your deliverance happens, and even after you have had an encounter with Christ you will still have new challenges that you will have to overcome and it's almost like starting all over again now sometimes we feel the weight of the world lifted off of our shoulders when we have been set free from those limitations from the boundaries that were on us but when we go through that deliverance process we're not thinking all the way about the future Because the future not only entails all the great things that you can do now that you can walk, right? You can now run, you can walk, you can stand, you can go to the store for yourself. But we don't think about the other elements of the future, right? This guy who is now healed has to interact with a world in a different way than he used to prior to his healing. So think about the fact that him being lame, he couldn't work, he couldn't move. He was totally dependent upon people and he had to rely upon others to do things for him. Now he's dealing with the cruel world where he has to do everything for himself because he's now expected to utilize every faculty of his physical body to do things that he couldn't do before. That is a brand new experience that he didn't have before. And what I'm sharing with you all is that even though you are fighting for deliverance, you are fighting for freedom and you are working through that with your savior, think about the new challenges that will have to be confronted now that you are free now that you are brand new now that you have everything you've been asking god for this is new now part of this a part of what you're responsible for now is changing your prayer request and your prayer life you don't stop praying But you're no longer praying for healing or deliverance because you're no longer lame like this guy has been for 38 years. Now the prayer has to be, Lord, give me the wisdom to interact with this new world in a way that I am totally unfamiliar with. Lord, teach me how to use my newfound healing for your glory. Teach me, Lord, how to be independent. Right? These are prayers that are now relevant because this guy is no longer limited and lame. My friends, there's so much to talk about and teach in this chapter, especially after this guy has gotten this deliverance. Let's just chew on that for a moment. He has to deal with a brand new world now that he's been delivered. Life after deliverance is a trip, but I'm confident that if you continue to study this word and particularly look at this text, you'll find some solutions to some of the challenges you've been facing since you've been delivered. You thought life would be a little easier. You thought that once you accepted Christ in your life, things would go a lot smoother. They will. Right. But there are still new challenges that you got to face. I believe that God has an answer for you. But join me next time for the next edition of this Bible talk. And we'll continue to walk through some of the solutions that Christ outlined. And how to confront some of the people that are in your life who are now new that you never had to deal with before, and how to manage those relationships now that you have to confront them. I love your family. Till next time, God bless you. And we'll see you for another edition of Living Faith Bible Talk. Hey family, this is William. I'm so happy to be back with you for another edition of the Living Faith Bible Talk. There is so much to get into in God's word, but I just wanted to say thank you, Lord, for your blessings and thank you, Lord, for being with us and thank you, Lord, for being our provision and our God. Give us wisdom. Give us strategy. Give us solutions to our life challenges and bless those who are listening to this broadcast that they'll listen and find something in your word for their lives. In Jesus name, I pray, Amen. So listen, we've been talking about this man in Bethesda and we've kind of been on this for quite a while. But in our last t- our session together, rather, we were talking about what happened after he got deliverance, life after deliverance. I really want to continue with that thought life after deliverance is a pretty good topic, right, to talk about since a lot of people do seek God for deliverance and they are wondering now that they've been delivered, what do I do with all this deliverance? If you look at John chapter 5 and verse 10 uh, and verse 11, he is confronted by people he never knew he had to confront before and he's carrying his bed because Jesus told him and they're saying to him, it is unlawful for you to take up your bed and to carry it on the sabbath day now this man has been lame for 38 years he got healed on a sabbath And now he has to put down his bed because it is the Sabbath. And so he's dealing with a whole new world that he never had to deal with before. He is now responsible for his own life. He is responsible for his sustainability. He's responsible for uh, providing for himself. Now that he can walk, he can now go to work. He can do a lot of things he can do now. But the first thing he is confronted with. Is being told to put down your bed because it is the Sabbath. Now, this man is asked, "Who told you to do this, right?" Uh, but the man in the uh, the pool of Bethesda said in verse 11, "The man who healed me told me to do this. He told me to take up my bed and walk. He said that." Now we know who the he is, and the he is Jesus, right? As you kind of deal with life after deliverance and you're getting used to all the nuances of life and what is being offered to you now that you are being delivered and you no longer have the burdens that you used to deal with, you are going to deal with people you never knew you had to deal with. I don't know if the Jewish elect ever visited those who were sick, but let's think about this for a moment. If you look at the earlier part of chapter 5 in John, uh, we find o- the only people at the pool of Bethesda are people who are sick and lame and perhaps the people that might have been taking care of them. And then we hear in this text that once a year an angel touches a pool of water that offered opportunity for healing salvation and freedom so i don't know if any of the elect visited the hospital so they may not have a frame of reference to understand where this man is coming from think about this for a moment when you were in your situation where you were bogged down with sin and burdens and issues how many people came to visit you how many people came to pray with you How many people came and said, I was thinking about you and I wanted to just check on you and spend some time with you? Some of you may venture to say there were very few to very little people who came and spent time with you during your deepest, darkest moment. And think about what this man said, who's been lame for 38 years. Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be healed? This is John 5, verse 6. And in verse 7, I taught you guys that verse 7 represents most of us. We come up with excuses why we cannot be healed. But think about it from this perspective. This man says in verse 7 to Jesus, I have no one to put me in the pool. Before I can get down there, somebody steps in front of me to get healed. What he's saying is I have no allies. I have no friends. I have no family. I have no uh, mentors. I have no connections. I have no hookups. I have nobody who has expressed any concern for me to help me with my healing. Now, we can kind of look at that as an isolated situation and say, well, he didn't have anybody at that moment that the angel picked him up to put him in a pool. But when you think about it in a contextual way, That if you had friends and they knew that this was an opportunity for you to get healed and delivered, if you had family who knew that this was an opportunity for you to get healed and delivered, it stands to reason that if they loved you, they would have helped you get into the pool when the angel touched the water think about this. There was a time where Jesus was teaching and there was a lame guy who had friends tear off a roof, drop him down through the hole of the roof so he can get healed. He was also lame. He was fully paralyzed. And because he had people that loved him and cared about him, who wanted to have his well-being looked after, they took him to the healer to make sure he got healed. When you think about that in context of this man in John five, he didn't have anybody that he could depend upon to help him. And so he didn't have anybody that could connect him to healing. Fast forward now to John chapter five, verse 11. He is now healed. He is walking through the streets. He is now delivered. And the only person he can think about that was helpful to him was this man, Jesus. He didn't even know his name at the time that he got healed. Friends, as you kind of walk through life after deliverance and you start to confront a new world that you were not exposed to and you start to deal with people you didn't have to deal with because now you are healed. Do not forget the one who gave you the direction and the prophetic word for your life. Jesus is our healer. He is our savior. He is our everything. And when people ask you Who told you to pick up your bed and walk? When people ask you to stop doing what you're doing, or why are you happy, or why are you so free? This is your opportunity to tell them, oh, the man that healed me gave me the freedom, gave me the direction to pick up my bed and walk. Jesus gave me the freedom and the direction to be happy now. He gave me the opportunity to live a different life. That's it, right? We can rely upon the Savior who has set us free. And we can rely upon him to tell others, listen, you can have issues with me. You can have a beef with With what I'm doing now, you can have issues with my freedom and my emotional stability. You can be upset with the fact that I'm mentally stable now. You can be upset that I'm financially set and I'm in a different place and I have more discipline. You can be upset my marriage is in a better place. You can be angry that my children are in a different place. My my life is just turned upside down. But I got to tell you, I don't know if I care enough about what you're telling me to do versus what the man who did something for me told me to do. When I was down, you weren't there for me. When I was sick, you weren't there for me. When I was in need, you weren't there for me. But there was a man who stopped by my pool of Bethesda, who saw my situation and knew I was limited, paralyzed for such a long time, and he healed me anyway. That's the man I have allegiance to. My friends, that's Jesus. I love you guys. I can't wait to continue this word. Join us for the next edition of Living Faith Bible Talk. I want to continue to dig into this with you. I want you to study this with me because there's so much to learn. Until next time, I love you guys. Hey family this is william so happy to be back with you for another edition of the living faith bible talk and i'm so anxious to get into the word but let's let's pray right quick and let's bring in god and to our bible study father be with us now give us the word of wisdom give us strategy give us our thoughts so that we can move forward in the way that you have us to go in jesus name i pray amen we've been talking about this guy at the Paul of Bethesda who's been healed and we've been talking about this topic of life after deliverance and we're at this point now where we've explored what's happening to him after he's come into this new world he's experiencing the world in a different place in a different way and now he's walking around with his bed and he didn't know that this was against the law and Jesus told him to pick up his bed and walk and yet he's being confronted by people And after he was confronted by people, this man uh, runs into Jesus and remember, he didn't know who Jesus was when he healed him. Uh, I'm in John chapter five, verse 13, and it says, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn and as there was a crowd in the place. So he didn't even know that Jesus healed him. But Jesus meets this guy in verse 14 and says, see you are well, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. That's a controversial statement, right? That Jesus heals you and he comes up to you and says, sin no more so nothing else will happen to you. This implies that if you do sin, something worse will happen, right? It's a simple uh equation to understand that if you sin, something worse will happen. But why would Jesus make this statement? If you remember the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, uh he starts out in verse 43. He talks about the unclean spirit that's been kicked out of a person, and the unclean spirit goes through places that are waterless, but can't find a place like the place he used to exist. And what that's talking about is when you've been healed and delivered. Delivered from the enemy and his minions and the demons that were in you the enemy is looking for a place to go remember the story about the man who was possessed and Jesus told them to get out of him and they said we need somewhere to go and Jesus told them we go into the herd of pigs the enemy is trying to go somewhere where he no longer has residence in your soul. And when you find Jesus in your life, when you've been saved and when you've been delivered and when your soul has been set free, the enemy has to go somewhere. And So Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43 that the enemy is looking for somewhere to go. And so after you've been cleaned, the enemy comes back to find his former space cleaned up and spruced up and nice and tidy. This is what happens when you have Jesus in your life. Everything changes. Your life is completely clean. But here's the problem. When you kick the enemy out, you are kicking out an occupant of your soul. When you have Jesus, your soul has been cleaned up and spruced up and set aside for God's glory. Now that you've cleaned up and your soul is now clean, your soul must be occupied by something. Because when the enemy comes back and finds his former space cleaned up, he's not only going to try to move back in, but he's going to bring back seven demons stronger than where he was before. Now, when you think about what Jesus teaching this man in John chapter five, see, you're well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus is saying it's not enough to find salvation. It is not enough to be healed. It is not enough to take what I can give you, the five loaves and the two fishes, and to heal you miraculously. It's not enough to watch me heal the blind and heal the lame. It's not enough to watch me raise the dead. It's not enough for me to give you deliverance and you are the recipient of it and that's all you take from it. You have to have something even deeper even after you've been delivered this bible study session is about life after deliverance you can't take deliverance and walk away and think that's it you got to have the spirit of god the holy ghost fill your soul so that when the enemy tries to come back in you when he tries to snatch your faith when he tries to snatch your hope when he tries to snatch your belief system when he tries to to make you depressed or discourage you you have no room for it remember what jesus is teaching in matthew 12 right you got to be filled with something even stronger and so when he tells that to this man go and sin more so nothing worse might happen to you he's simply telling this man you got to go after more you have to go after me more your faith has to be strong not just for your healing remember this guy was at a pool called bethesda and he was there surrounded by a bunch of people who were not whole they were looking for the same thing and all they knew was to define their faith based upon the touching of the water in that pool But when Jesus came, he broke that rule. He broke every standard thought that they might have had and was trying to encourage them. Listen, your faith has to be strong in something else, not something that comes annually, not an annual conference, not a healing service. But your faith has to be built upon something that is truly long lasting. And what Jesus offers is long lasting. Think. Jesus came to this man out of nowhere, clearly in an off season. Clearly, Jesus came during a season where there was no healing being offered. And this guy, when asked uh, by Jesus, do you want to be healed, said, I have nobody to put me into the pool. That's his immediate response. But Jesus came during a season when there was no healing to prove I have the healing power. I can heal during season or out of season. If you just believe in me and if you're going to believe me for healing, if you're going to believe me for salvation, you got to believe me to fill you up with much more than that, because I am more than just a healer. I am more than just a deliverer. I am here to give you peace that passes all understanding. I'm here to give you living water in your life. My friends, Jesus has been healing and saving some of you. He has delivered some of you from some of the craziest experiences that you have ever been through. But he didn't do it just to get you out of trouble. He did it because he's trying to offer you something much more potent. He's trying to offer you a life of peace, a life of salvation, a life of eternity, a life that's greater than what you've ever experienced. But he says, you've been healed now go and sin no more i encourage you that after you have experienced the salvation and the transformation offered by jesus christ think now about what you can do differently in your life think now about how your life can be totally different if you embrace what jesus is teaching How much more salvation can you experience? How much more healing can you experience? How much more deliverance can you experience if you simply go and sin no more? Because when you slink back into a life of sin and faithlessness and hopelessness, when it comes back into your life, it comes back worse than it originally was. Family, I'm praying for you. I believe that God is touching your heart. He's pricking your heart right now because he wants you to live something different than what you had before you were delivered. And I believe that you are seeking after him and you will continue to seek after him. Family, until the next time we come together, God bless you. And i see you next week for another edition of the Living Faith Bible Talk.